You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your daily routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Rafer with Fox 56 and joined by Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Finally, we're back together. Friday was um, a rough day for you, Kyle, and uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, at The Athletic. We saw the news that so many people got... uh, you know, laid off and uh, the pandemic is, you know, it's definitely taking its toll on the world of sports and the people who cover it, uh, as well as, I mean, other industries obviously as well, but, uh, I tried to do an interview with David Jones without you there and he was up in the mountains and that didn't work out. So we <laughs> been a been an adventure. Yeah. So we finally got that done and then it uh, turned out to be so long that it was a two parter. And so basically, uh, that's why we haven't, uh, Kyle and I haven't been on together uh, since last, I guess, Wednesday. So yeah. now we're back and uh, there's plenty to talk about. I think we should probably start with Lynn Bowden. Uh, we'll also discuss your article, uh, your most recent one, uh, about John Calipari being viewed as a as a villain in college basketball, which I think that's the perception. Uh, but I thought you did a wonderful job uh, explaining that and diving into that with uh, uh, some talking to Rick Barnes and even John Chaney. I mean, so we'll discuss that. And then also uh, Cade Cunningham, you know, since the last time we talked, Oklahoma State has been put on NCAA probation uh, and banned from the postseason. So Cade Cunningham is certainly only going to play one season of college basketball, the number one ranked recruit in the class. And he picked Oklahoma State. He almost picked Kentucky. And now what's he going to do? So we'll discuss that as well. But uh, as we mentioned, uh, Lynn Bowden, you've probably seen the news today, Wednesday, uh, that Lynn Bowden was uh, a picture of him in handcuffs. Uh-oh, the kids have broken free. <laughs> yes. Yeah, give me, give me, give me, one, give me one second. <laughs> my, I, my, my children, I'm under attack. My wife is not here uh, and I'm under attack. Give me one second. All right. Hello. All right. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> back to Lynn Bowden in handcuffs. Yes. So, uh, this morning, uh, WKBN uh, TV out of Youngstown, Ohio, uh, reported that the DEA and U.S. Marshals were at Lynn Bowden's house. That was how it was described in their initial story. said it was uh, his house, but that, that they were there. And you could see from video that Lynn Bowden was sitting on the front porch uh, in handcuffs, as were about four other uh, guys. Uh, his son was with him. It's been later since reported that his son was there. Uh, but the end result is that uh, Lynn Bowden was not found of any wrongdoing. Actually, there were no arrests made. And they did clarify that it was his grandmother's home, uh, which you might have been the one to spark that. You were the first person yes. that I saw that put that out there, that it was not his house. But that immediately popped into my head. But just a just to wrap up what uh, actually has happened uh, is that there have been no arrest. There were assault weapons seized. You can see DEA agents walking out with assault weapons, also handguns. Uh, you saw DEA with a box marked evidence. And there was, you know, stuff in that box 
Uh, there was also a report uh, of sources saying that police had made a number of undercover drug buys from that home, uh, but did not know whether or not Bowden was involved in any of that. Uh, also, uh, since then, since all that, um, there's been a statement released by uh, his agency, the agency that represents Lynn Bowden, said this morning, a house belonging to a family member of our client, Lynn Bowden Jr., was searched by the DEA in Youngstown, Ohio. Lynn and his young son were guests at the home. During the process, authorities handcuffed all who were present to secure the area. Lynn fully cooperated with law enforcement during the search. At the conclusion of the search, Lynn was released, not arrested, and not charged with any crime. In fact, no arrests were made. Also, Lynn Bowden has a a uh, sponsorship deal with sword performance, hydration, uh, immune system booster. So, you know, a drink. Uh, they put out a statement saying that they were made aware of the incident. Uh, and, you know, some of the same stuff I just said that his agency said. Uh, but they also have a quote from sword performance CEO, Darren Dillo. Quote, we consider Lynn as a part of our family. It is hard enough to be in the spotlight full time, and there are going to be times when situations are taken out of context. It is important that we do not cast judgment because of what we see in the headlines, but rather support each other as fellow human beings. We will continue to support Lynn and his family as he makes his way to Las Vegas. We believe in him as a football star, but most importantly, as a father and kind individual, we ask that you join us in this support and lift him up during this period. Uh, Kyle, I'm not sure that statement is made uh, two weeks ago. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I, I think probably uh, a, a lot more um, thought goes into the assumptions that some people jump to um, right. today than, than a week or two ago. Um, and yeah, in terms of um, the grandmother's house, it, the, it, the interesting thing is I saw in the initial report it was on Superior Street and immediately registered with me from the big profile I had written on Lynn back in the fall. One of his tattoos, uh, there, his tattoos and what they mean is obviously a big part of that story and, and most of it tying to his hometown there in Youngstown. Uh, and one of the big tattoos up his neck is like a brick pathway and it is because of the brick road. The the road is not a paved road in front of his grandmother's house on superior street. It is a brick, like almost yeah. like cobblestone street, right? Made out of brick lined street. Uh, and so that's what it represents. That tattoo on his neck is of the street where he grew up in his grandmother's house. Um, and I remember him talking about it in the story, you know, that there were, you know, there were some, there were a lot of people that lived there, almost a dozen people at the time, he said. And uh, I ran a Nexus search, uh, which is a data, Lexus Nexus is a database um, where you can search all number of things. Um, and one of those being property ownership and residence and his grandmother, that, that house is his grandmother's house and her name. There are 15 other uh, listed residents, current residents. And wow. Lynn is not one of them. Lynn is listed as a former resident. Um, and as people remember, uh, his mom moved from Youngstown to Lexington. Mm -hmm. um, so his mother lived here with him, helping him raise his little boy. Um, and so they were right. back, obviously back home visiting. Uh, but it was, you know, initially sort of put out there as Lynn Bowden's home raided, guns seized, you know, from yeah. Lynn Bowden's house. Um, that's a little different story than a home owned by his grandmother. Um that 15 other people live in. 
Exactly. Uh, There's a lot going going on there. The one thing I will... Go ahead. What happens today is, I mean, with social media and what we have is, it was WKBN, the TV station, that had the report. They have their cameras there. They've got the information. That gets repeated and regenerated throughout social media by so many different outlets Right, and it just gets taken. Oh, and it's like Lynn Bowden stands in handcuffs while his house is raided. Yeah, they they handcuffed everyone there as as normal procedure, I guess, as I understand it, as Mm -hmm. they as they were executing a search um, in a where you know in a house where they thought there were going to be weapons, and there were weapons for safety purposes. They handcuff everybody on site. Um, You know, he was not charged with anything. There were no. no, nobody was arrested. There were no charges filed from that uh, uh, event today. Um, but I would say this: um, I do hope that this is a a little bit of a just a sort of um, resounding reminder for Lynn that yeah. you know you've talked so much about getting out of there, and and you know even he even told me in reporting that story, you know. You know, he came very close to essentially being in a gang. He admitted that. It was one of the shocking yeah. things about the story is that he, you know, he talked about how close he walked to that line and the kind of people that he grew up around. And he said even though even the people that he knew were sort of a bad element, um, even those people said, Lynn, you gotta go. You gotta get out of here. You know, yeah. Don't come back. And I think he needs to heed that warning. I mean, you don't abandon your family and, and the people that matter to you, but there are some people and some places you've got to cut out of your life when you're in a in a spotlight situation and not only that when you have an opportunity to make the kind of living you'll never make otherwise um, right you know life-changing generationally life-changing uh, money and career you just cannot risk it um, and it's crazy to think like you know the best thing for Lynn Bowden is to go ahead and get to Las Vegas yes. <laughs> you know, I did, you know right. on draft night we're like is Las Vegas the place he really needs to be uh, yeah and but Youngstown go, is not either yeah, I think I'd rather him be in Las Vegas um you know I, I I hope for him assuming that nothing comes of this that that um, causes him any legal issues just the sort of scare of it and maybe the to some degree the embarrassment of it um being his name being tied to it and re- and going maybe like oh man like you know what are the raiders going to do about this oh man what mm-hmm. are my what are my sponsors yeah. going to do about this even have to ha- even having to to be afraid of that for a day you would hope would send him a message to like okay there's some things that just can't happen anymore you know some places you can't go because if bad stuff goes down nobody like random guy number 7 in the house doesn't get a headline right um, the nfl draft pick gets a headline yeah, they didn't so. call it so and so's house, and Lynn Bowden was there. That wasn't the headline, right? Yeah, they did not. Yeah, they did not say Grandma McGee's house. Yeah, uh, I forgot his grandma's first name, um, Dorothy McGee. They didn't say Dorothy McGee's house where Lynn Bowden happened to be visiting. It was Lynn no. Bowden's house. So, um, and Lynn, you know, Lynn Bowden's little boy was there, and there's, I'd say, at least some level of concern that his his, his little guy was around a place where there's multiple uh assault loaded weapons assault weapons taken yeah. out and and allegedly drug deals have gone down yeah uh, you know that doesn't cast any guilt on lynn Bowden, but it, you do say it's okay, not a safe place you, you, need, you need to get you need to get you you and yours um to a place where nobody's where, where there's a reasonable expectation that there's not going to be a dea raid 
uh, going down. So this this kind of I think got put out in a way that was a little unfair to Lynn, but also but I do also hope that Lynn recognizes like don't do this again, like don't be yeah yeah I I, I don't uh, I don't exonerate it as a mistake. I mean I guess who am I to to pass judgment on Lynn Bowden or whatever? But again, like I said, that's not a place he needs to be. It just doesn't need to be there. Maybe it sparks a call from Vince Marrow, and yeah. uh, that's someone he'll listen to. And Marrow will be like, what the hell are you doing, Lynn? You well, just got the, drafted. I mean, or if the Raiders call him and say, don't go back there, then that ought, right. to, be the, that ought mm-hmm. to be the end of the discussion. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say goodbye to those guys or whatever, and you want to see your friends one last time before you go or whatever, uh, I can understand that. But uh, maybe you meet him at the park, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, uh That'll wrap it up for the Lynn Bowden portion of this uh, episode of Ken, uh, Locked on Kentucky. We're going to move on and talk next about Cade um, Cunningham, uh, the news of him now being at a program that won't be able to play in the postseason. What will he do? Is Kentucky still a place he could wind up coming to? We'll discuss that when we return here on Locked on Kentucky. I don't know if you knew this, Kyle, but uh, chain stores, auto part chain stores, they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So if I was a professional mechanic uh, who had a, you know, a place, I could go in there and ask for the same part you would ask for, and they would give me a break. Whereas if you go in there and they ask you where you work, and I'm like, oh, I write for The Athletic, they're going to charge you more. But rockauto.com's prices, they're the same for everybody and reliably low. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get a membership or anything. You get the low price. And on top of that, it's not just like a couple bucks. We're talking about you could save significant money, like up to a hundred, more than a hundred dollars on the exact same part that you would go into the auto parts chain store and order. And then you're asking them for the part, and the guy behind the counter or woman is is looking for the part, and then they turn around and go, Well, we don't have it. Because auto part chain stores, they cannot possibly carry the number of parts for all the different makes and models of cars that are out there now. So they're just going to order it online too, but they're going to charge you more for it. That's why you go to rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, SUV, right locked on in there. So when they say, how did you hear about us? Tell them Locked On Kentucky sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. And Kyle, the news, uh, one of the big items of the week was surprisingly that Oklahoma State, all the all the people involved, uh, with Oklahoma State's improprieties uh, with that that uh, FBI investigation, they're gone. Like, Oklahoma State has cleaned up what they needed to clean up. Uh, but the NCAA did not stop them from coming in and saying, you still get a postseason ban for one year. Well, it just so happens that Oklahoma State uh, hired Cade Cunningham's brother to be an assistant coach. And that, uh, no doubt, uh, was a factor in him picking Oklahoma State. But now he's signed a national letter of intent. Um, you know, he's, he's signed to play there. Uh, 
and he's not going to get a chance to play in the postseason. And we know he's going to be uh, staying in college for one season. I mean, he's the number one recruit in the class. He's a, a lottery pick projection. So now what? Does he go to the G League and make some money? Uh, he is said that he was extremely close to signing with another program. And many recruiting analysts believe that it's Kentucky. Now, Kentucky has Devin Askew as a point guard that uh, who's, who's coming in, is already working out, preparing to be a Kentucky Wildcat and preparing for that point guard spot. But he said during the recruiting process, he would have no problem playing with Cade Cunningham. Also, Kentucky got the Creighton transfer, Davion Mintz, who can play off the ball, but was also brought in to give some experience at the point guard position. Number one, Kyle, does Kentucky still have a shot at landing him? And number two, is it still a good fit? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they, look, if he's if he calls him up and is like, I'm, I want to come, like, can I please come? <laughs> the number one player in the class. There, Yes, he'll be <laughs> Right, they'll find a way. But I don't know that there's a lot of interest e- in either direction in terms of pursuing it. The fact of the matter is he, he picked that school – I mean, you have to say largely because his brother is there. There's yeah. not a, there's not a lot of other appeal. It's not like oh, the the great Oklahoma State basketball tradition. He's not from the state of Oklahoma. He's from Texas. Uh, you know, if he wanted to stay out in that area, there are better places to go. You know, uh, and it's yeah, I mean, not Trey a, Lyles. You know what he did, or not Trey Lyles. Uh, Trey Young at at Oklahoma yeah, was able home. to get. Yeah. yeah, was able to get. Um, all eyes on him. Uh, yeah, there, there's that. I mean, like, I, I think there's that. There, there's that aspect too. Like, if he's the guy, like he's the superstar on a otherwise just okay or bad team. Like, yeah, I think there was some appeal there too for him. But he didn't go there. It wasn't like they built this super class around him. I mean, he was the really the big get in that class. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't like the first domino of a bunch of five stars going to Oklahoma State the one whose brothers on staff went there and that's kind of it. And so there's re- there really wasn't even necessarily an expectation. They were going to be this great gangbusters team that was definitely going to make the NCAA tournament anyway. Um, yeah. You would think a guy like Cade could drag a team into the NCAA tournament, but that was not a guarantee. They certainly weren't going to be, you know, nobody's going into the season thinking Oklahoma state's going to the final four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he may have just made peace with the idea of being the guy on a, ho-hum team and getting to be there and be coached by his brother. Um, and, you know, he got his brother a paycheck. Uh, it's legal all above board, but, I mean, fact of the matter is he got his brother paid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, does it change anything really that they're not going to go to the NCAA tournament? I and mean, he's still going to be a an attraction. He's still going to be the guy on an okay team who can take as many shots as he wants and show off whatever parts of his game he wants. If he comes to Kentucky, he's like very much as good as he is. He's part of an ensemble, um, you know, and he's going to have to give up some of his game and it is crowded. Like they've got two guys who can play point guard right now and they've got two ridiculous wings. So like anywhere that Cade Cunningham would play, you know, there'd be other guys who deserve some minutes and might be pissed off if he got their minutes. Um, so my feeling right now is it's not going to happen at Kentucky. It's kind of fun to think about um, just because they'd be so ridiculously loaded, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you got, Kate, 
if you go Cade Cunningham, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark as your like, you know, one, two, three, it almost doesn't even matter if you like you just put like just grab a random have a contest where you grab two fans every game to play with those <laughs> <laughs> with those three and nobody's gonna beat you. Um I mean it would be ridiculous. So if he's just if if he gets it in his mind like I want to win a national championship, I want to be on the best team in America. Right, right. Then that changes things. But I right now I don't sense like a huge amount of movement. I also don't sense from Kentucky's end like we're no, <laughs> we're I haven't heard anybody tell me like we're we don't want that kid. <laughs> uh, we'd right. turn him we'd turn him down if he wants to come. I just don't think that there's like an active pursuit on either side right now. And it w- it would just be difficult like. Of course, Kentucky wouldn't say no. And uh, if Cade Cunningham does have that desire, if the, that's, that's the reason why he chose to go to college is to have that, that chance to play in the NCAA tournament and make a run at a title. I don't know why you'd go to Oklahoma State. But if, if that's you know, in his mind, then you know, he has to have an interest in what's there at Kentucky with the talent that's already been assembled. But for John Calipari, uh, I mean, it's the kind of problem he'd like to have but at the, it's just not going to be room. He's not going to be able to play more than eight or nine guys. He's not going to platoon like he did in 2015 because he doesn't have that same level of experience that allowed him to platoon with like a third-year Willie Cauley-Stein and second-year right. Harrison Twins and, and Poitras and all that. So it, it, it's, you've got to have Clark on the, uh, on the court and you've got to have Boston on the court. And if Cade's your point guard – well, and if Sar is eligible and then Keon's back, well, those five guys got to play. What do you, what about Davion Mintz? Well, he's a grad transfer from Creighton. He's, you have, you owe it to him almost to let him play. Um, and then, so how's Askew going to feel and Fletcher right. and Jackson and Dante Allen uh, and Lance Ware? That's too many. That's too, that's too many. It, it would, it would be a problem. He would not be able to satisfy him. Uh, might have another situation where, uh, with Khalil Whitney, where the, a player doesn't even make it through the season before he's like, "Screw this, I'm out of here." Yeah, I mean, there, the the danger for uh, the the danger for Ross, uh, locker room discord is high. I think if you yeah. add uh, Kate Cunningham, I mean, you'd have five guys, six guys that would be like thrilled. Um, but you'd have three or four, I think, at that point that would just yeah. be going, hey, what's the deal here? Like, what did I sign up for? Did I, like, am I good enough or am I not good enough for you? Right. Um, it was kind of like when I think everybody's on board um, with adding Olivier Saar. Like, they needed a, a true five, a guy that was going to yeah. step in and be able to play. But when you started looking at, you know, whether they're going to go get DeAndre Williams and, and, you know, other, like, forwards – that weren't, you know, just a plug and play center. I think at that point, everybody on the roster is going like, do we really need these guys? Like, are we sure mm-hmm. we, <laughs> if yeah. Keon Brooks is thinking like, but I'm, I'm the guy who came back. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are my minutes? Um, you know, it's again, I think again, to me, it's just like, this is a really fun hypothetical. What if they just put like the most ridiculous team possible out there, but in, in practical reality, you just probably end up in the exact same spot again next year where the guys that are really good leave and then the guys you pissed off also leave and then you have nobody nobody on your roster yeah. again going into the next year. Yeah. All right, we're going to take another break. When we return, we will talk about the article, uh, your most recent article in The Athletic, which is uh, about John Calipari being college basketball's villain. Uh, and we'll do that when we return here. But let me tell you about 
the best tasting protein bar ever in the history of protein bars. It's called Built Bar. They are truly very tasty. Uh, 16 amazing flavors. I think they have four limited time flavors right now, but you're talking about all of them in chocolate. Uh, Chocolate nut combinations, chocolate nut-free combinations, so you don't have to worry if you have a nut allergy. Uh, Soft and easy to chew. They're not chalky and hard. And it's for the health conscious, on-the-go person. I mean, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, uh, this is a good treat in the afternoon or in the morning. Get you going. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. I'll just just give you the, the peanut butter brownie, just for example. 20 grams of protein. I mean, that's a lot for a protein bar when you only have three grams net carbs and three grams sugar and 170 calories. That's why I'm telling you, you're missing out if you don't take advantage of this offer. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. All right, Kyle. So I read uh, your article this morning on John Calipari uh, being perceived as a college basketball villain. And he is. He's hated. He's he's disliked. Uh, I would say Mike Krzyzewski right now is the only other coach in the country that's maybe vilified in college basketball anyway, as much as Calipari. Um, and I, I, I don't think it's close. Maybe Bruce Pearl, but him being down at Auburn uh, is not really on that stage as a Duke or a Kentucky. And since he got here to to Lexington, I and you know people say homerism or, or whatever. But when you're on the outside looking in, you're not around every day, and you don't get to talk to him and uh, see what he does. I don't know. I I have not seen anything. Uh, that tells me he's that villain type. Like he has a good heart. He's at every turn um, of tragedy of, you know, disasters. He's looking for a way to help. How can I use my wealth and my platform to help? And then how can I involve my players so that this is a teachable moment for them all? Uh, He's just really good at that. I don't care. Um, what kind of jabs you want to take at him? If you if if you can't recognize that about him, then it's just your own personal vendetta against him. Yeah. So we we started out. We were doing this uh, series on villains um, at the athletic, and most of that series they decided to hold it because of just sort of everything that's going on right now, and and making sure that we want to be sensitive to the fact that we're striking the right tone with the things that we write about, and not being sort of flippant and. Yeah. Uh, overstate, you know, we talk about villains in this day, in, in this moment in time, we're thinking about something almost very different um, right. than sports villains. But I went ahead and finished this Calipari story. And, and I guess the editors thought it was interesting enough that they wanted to go ahead and put it out there. Um, and it, I think it also, you know, it ran the next, the day after a story that I'd written about his forum on race yes. and, and some of the stand he's taken um, and that kind of righteous fight that he's in now. And I think they thought it was worth going ahead with the Cal story because it was sort of, uh, those were interesting back-to-back ideas. 
Yeah. Uh, they kind of play off each other. And, and, and the whole thing with Cal, when, when they said, okay, we want to do this villain series, we started brainstorming who are the villains of college basketball. Obviously, Cal was one that came up immediately. And I said, you know, I want to write the story about John Calipari, the willing villain, you know, the guy who leaned into it and just said, if you don't like me, then here's my middle finger. Because he's always mm-hmm. struck me as that, like the guy who almost embraced being a villain. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, though, how you, you start working on a story and you have an idea. And you start to talk to people and maybe it changes. Um, and that can be a criticism of the media sometimes or the narrative. People like to say you have your narrative and you stick to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Well, that might be, is that, is that dogs from the thunder? We're getting thunder here. Yeah, that, that's um, exactly what it was. It was a reaction to the weather. Yeah, it's yep. getting nasty here. Um, but I called Larry Brown, who's known Cal forever. He, he was his first yeah. boss at Kansas and then, uh, or I guess second boss. Uh, then took him to the Sixers and his great mentor. And I've talked to, to Larry Brown for Cal stories in the past. And he said a thing to me, he said, you know, I like that you always call and tell me, this is what I'm thinking. Am I right? Uh, and tell me if I'm wrong. And so that, <laughs> you know, because I always say that, like, tell me if I'm wrong. If the premise of this is wrong, tell me. And let's, you know, I want to write right. what it, what's, what's the real story. And so I said, my, my idea is that Cal has always been a willing villain. And he said, I don't think you're right, <laughs> basically. He said, <laughs> I, he said, I don't think he I don't think he likes it. I think it just happened uh, because he had success early and people hated him. And he said, well, if you're going to hate me, you know, then, you know, whatever. Think what you want. I'm going to do what I do. Uh, you know, and he's taken – look, he's not been like some innocent bystander here. Like he's taken shots at guys. I mean, part of that story – uh, I always like to talk to Dan Wetzel. You don't usually you don't want to be media interviewing media, but I mm-hmm. like to talk to Dan Wetzel from Yahoo uh, about Cal for stories about sort of his history because he covered him starting all the way back as a student reporter at UMass. So he was at the very beginning of Calipari's right. story, and he's followed him all the way through. Um, and you know, one of the things he said was like, Cal comes in this young guy at UMass where nothing's ever happened good; they're terrible. He's never done anything. Nobody knows who he is. A bunch of people already hate him. If they do know him, they hate him because he was the guy that was the young re- recruiter at Kansas and Pitt as an assistant, getting all these guys that they're going, how's this guy getting these guys? Um, and so he comes in and he starts picking fights with Jim O'Brien and Jim Calhoun, the, 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 the New England power establishment in college basketball, as it was yeah. put, you know, Boston College and, and UConn coaches. And so – you know, Cal's not just like this innocent guy. Like, I don't know why everybody doesn't like me. I mean, he picked some fights, you know, he, yeah. he, he, he got so, he got John Chaney so pissed off at him at Temple that the guy famously chased him into a post-game interview and said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Um, and so Cal has had his parts in this narrative about him being a villain, but, but everybody I talked to from Larry Brown to Rick Barnes to John Chaney, who now considers John Calipari a great friend, um, all of them and, and Wetzel, all of them kind of felt like it wasn't that he wanted to be a villain and he wishes that people respected him more. Like he always wanted to be in the club and he wasn't really in it at UMass or Memphis. He was always the outsider. Now he's at yeah. Kentucky. He's kind of in the club. He's in the hall of fame. It's hard to say he's not in the club, but right. I do think he's always desired respect and he didn't get that from a lot of people. And like Rick Barnes put it, when you take on city hall, uh, it shakes people up. You know, he said back when there was no limit on when you could recruit, you know, Cal was this guy who'd go out there and literally recruit year round when other coaches wanted to like take vacation. And when you do that work, they don't want to do and you get players they want. They start trying to find ways to discredit you. 
Um, thought yeah. that was interesting from Rick Barnes. And, and that's funny now that Cal is a proponent of taking July off so he can be with his family. <laughs> yeah, you get a little older. <laughs> you get a little older now, and you want to take a vacation. Cal, I mean, Cal's not a dummy. I mean, he's a he's a sixty one yeah. year old man now, and he doesn't want the the next John Calipari, twenty five year old John Calipari two to come along and and right. recruit him into oblivion while he's trying to get some golf in or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I just thought it was interesting to hear those perspectives uh, from people. Um, I think um, we don't, I mean, we've already gone over a little bit on our time, but, but I, I failed to mention this. I think we need to mention this before we go um, is that uh, locked on as a network, which has, I mean, I, I, you listen to locked on Kentucky, obviously, but there's a few college channels, you know, but there is a locked on podcast for every NFL team, every major league baseball team, every NBA team, every NHL team, plus college, uh, there's a locked on SEC, there's a locked on NFL, there's a locked on, uh, well, there's a Chad Ford's NBA big board. But the point is, there's, I don't know, more than 200 or so different locked on podcasts in the network. And locked on as a company, their CEO, he sent out something last week who said, that said to all the, the, the hosts uh, that uh, we're not going to be silent. Being silent is a choice, and we're not going to be silent. We want you to uh, record something, um, a sentence or two, about how you feel about what's going on, and, and then we're going to put together a PSA, which basically just they're going to run something across the network to let everyone know that we support Black Lives Matter as an as organization. That turned into an email chain of everyone saying words mean nothing without action and we need, we need to donate. We need to put our money where our mouth is. And so as a company, they have decided that every donation that's made by every, any host within Locked On, they're going to match every donation made in the month of June up to $10,000 and then contribute those funds to Black Lives Matter the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and Campaign Zero, all three great organizations. The uh, Legal Defense Fund was uh, the subject of 60 Minutes this past Sunday on CBS. I highly encourage you to go watch that. I have to say it was a, a, a proud thing watching the day that we had like a huge email thread going about it um, with all the different hosts of podcasts. Um, and people were just like instantly just dozens and dozens of emails. We're in, we're in our group, our podcast is in, let's do this. How can we do this? How can we help? Um, that was cool to see. And, uh, I think we're seeing a lot of that around the country for all the bad. There's a lot of people that have stood up and said, I want to help. I want to do something. Um, yeah. giving money is just a start, but it's a, you know, it's important. All these things, all the people who know what to do and know how to really help, uh, they need financial support. So for those of us that don't exactly know what to do, uh, this is, I think, a great way to do it. Uh, and then on top of all that, that I, I want to mention this too, uh, that on Thursday, tomorrow, there is a podcast throughout the network uh, that is really based on on this issue. Um, it is eight of the Black hosts getting together for a Black Lives Matters roundtable. So that is going to be across our network and on the Locked On Kentucky channel tomorrow. So you'll see it pop up 
if you subscribe to us, Locked On Kentucky, you'll see that pop up in your feed. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if uh, if things dictate, uh, what we mean is if there's news and stuff out there uh, to be covered and worth talking about, then Kyle and I will do another podcast on Friday. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. We'll talk to you later, guys. Thanks for listening. Are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.